Well, um, as we do move into the week before Christmas, what I want us to think about today is really, well, what is Christmas all about? Um, Jerry Seinfeld, if you ever watched um, Seinfeld, he used to have this joke, um, which you might have heard, that if, if aliens were observing planet Earth and uh, they saw how human beings treated their dogs, um, then aliens watching would, would naturally assume that it's the dogs who are the leaders of our planet. Um, I guess particularly the way that humans walk around behind their dogs and pick up and carry after them in a little bag. I mean, who is it that you would assume is in charge? Well, I've kind of been wondering in the last few weeks a similar thing about Christmas. Uh, If you were an outside observer and you knew nothing at all about Christmas and and you were watching the people of Wagga, uh, what they did as December 25 approached... Well, what would you assume that Christmas is all about? Um, If you went to the carols concert at my kid's school this week, uh, you'd probably assume it's about some guy named Santa Claus and singing songs to him. Uh, If you went down to Baylor Street during the day, you'd probably assume that it's about stocking up on food and purchasing gifts. Um, If you drove around the streets of Wagga at night... Uh, you might think that it's about decorating your house with lights. And again, mostly to do with this Santa Claus fellow and his reindeers, uh, though occasionally you'd spot uh, a little baby lying in a bed. Um, If you happen to go to Fox Street McDonald's one night, uh, you might be very confused with the lighting display there of the baby, uh, Santa Claus and his reindeers, and, uh, and also then a penguin and a snowman. I mean, what, what is Christmas all about? Uh, that's what I want us to think about this morning. And, uh, and really for us, I mean, uh, if you were asked, what, what is Christmas about? What does Christmas mean for you? I mean, how might you uh, draw that together in a sentence? Well, today I want us to focus on one very clear sentence from uh, the Apostle Paul in his letter to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 1. Uh, Take a look at what he says in chapter 1, verse 15. He says, Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. That's what Paul writes to Timothy. Uh, And as we unpack that today, I I think we'll see there's really no better sentence Uh, to capture what Christmas is all about than that. It's about how Christ Jesus came to our world to save sinners. It tells us that Christmas really is all about the mercy of God and how God has displayed his mercy to us in the coming of Jesus. And, uh, And what we'll see firstly as we work our way through this passage is we see firstly how this mercy of God is experienced by Paul himself. So this is what he tells us in 1 Timothy chapter 1. So uh, we didn't read from the very beginning, but Paul is the writer of this letter to Timothy. Timothy has been sent to the church in Ephesus uh, to serve there. Um, And as he does, well, Paul um, writes this letter to him to encourage him as a young pastor. And to do that, Paul um, reminds Timothy of the gospel. Um, In verse 11, he refers to it there as the gospel concerning the glory of the blessed God. But then if you pick it up from verse 12, well, Paul then starts to speak of his own experience of the gospel and how he has personally received mercy from Christ Jesus. 
So let me read there from verse 12 again. He says, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has given me strength, that he considered me trustworthy, appointing me to his service, even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man. I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. So here Paul tells of his own uh, experience of Jesus showing mercy to him. Uh, Firstly, in how he is appointed as an apostle. And uh, if you remember back to when we looked at Acts uh, earlier in the year, uh, three times through the book of Acts, Paul tells of that amazing uh, encounter that he had on the Damascus Road when he met with Jesus and Jesus turned his life around. And as Paul says here at that time, he was a blasphemer, a a persecutor, and and a violent man. Uh, He was someone who denied the truth about Jesus. Uh, He was the leader of those opposing the early Christians. He was travelling from town to town to round them up and to throw them into prison. That was what was on Paul's resume, blasphemer, persecutor, violent man. But in his mercy... Well, verse 14, we're told the grace of the Lord Jesus was poured out on him abundantly. And the blasphemer became a a worshipper. The persecutor became the proclaimer of the gospel and was appointed as God's special apostle to take the gospel beyond the borders of Israel to the Gentiles. So first Paul here recounts uh, the mercy of Jesus shown to him in uh, appointing him as an apostle. But then second, he also tells how it is all because of Jesus and his mercy that Paul is being saved. And that that begins as we uh, jump in and see our trustworthy saying here from verse 15. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy, so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. Now, through the letter of 1 Timothy, there's three times where Paul uses that kind of phrase, saying, here is a trustworthy saying. And when we read it, it's kind of a phrase, isn't it, that makes you just think, oh, that, he's saying something important here. And particularly uh, in this, this case, the first time when Paul uses it, uh, as he adds that this is a saying that demands full acceptance. And it's a statement of purpose. Uh, it's a statement that answers the question of what was the purpose for why Jesus came into our world? What was the purpose for why the eternal Son of God would take on flesh and be clothed in our weak and fallen humanity? And live as one of us, suffer for us, die a horrible death on a Roman cross. What was the purpose? Well, the purpose was that Christ Jesus came into our world to save sinners. And to give us an example of one particular sinner's experience of that salvation, Paul adds, of whom I am the worst. Now, we just uh, saw in verse 13 some of Paul's sinful past. And the reason why Paul, I think, gives his own personal example here is to show us the the depths of God's mercy. 
Uh, we're meant to look at Paul's example of him being saved and say, well, if he can be saved, well, so can I. If someone like him can be forgiven and receive mercy and then be used in God's service, well, then that is true for each of us here today as well. Now, when you read the word uh, or the phrase there, worst of sinners, maybe you think, well, there's probably actually people who are worse sinners than, than Paul was because, I mean, in many ways, he lived a very respectable, moral and uh, religious life. We know that, don't we, from the New Testament. He says he's, a, he's the Pharisee of Pharisees. Um, he was uh, the, the law keeper of law keepers. That was the reason why he was persecuting Christians. But see, if you think about that Damascus Road experience and what he was doing, well, his great sin was actually his stubborn opposition to Jesus. And it is that sin, it is refusing to believe in Jesus. Well, that is the worst sin in God's eyes. Uh, John Calvin picks up on that in his commentary. Uh, This is what he, he says. He says, Note carefully what is taught in these verses are people who are harmless and may even have sterling characteristics and lead virtuous lives in the eyes of the world may be viewed as great sinners in God's sight because of their persistent opposition to the gospel and their dogged unbelief. This shows us most clearly how all the outward show and pomp of uh, hypocrites counts for nothing in God's sight as long as they continue to resist Christ. But then here, as Paul recounts his own example, we see this greatest opponent of Jesus and his church, the worst of sinners. Well, he was shown mercy. In him, Christ Jesus displayed his immense patience as an example for us, for those who would believe and have eternal life. And friends, like Paul does here, I mean, we see here the the overflowing nature of the grace of God. And when we see it, when we grasp it, well, it leads to then an overflow of praise to God. Uh, As Paul declares here in verse 17, the amazing fact that God, the King, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, has accepted him through the gospel of grace, welcomed him like the father who runs out to greet the prodigal son and embrace him and bring him into his home. Well, for that mercy, Paul is full of praise to God and thanksgiving. And so this is the first thing we see here. This clear example is given to us that if Paul can be saved, well, you can be saved. Anyone can be saved. Which leads us to our next point then, as we see Jesus' mercy for all. Because remember our trustworthy saying, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Now, of course, the uh, first step that we all need to make if we are to be saved is to firstly admit the reality that we are sinners. And uh, here uh, we see first that Paul freely admits that he is a sinner. He's, the, in fact, the worst of sinners. But I think if we look to the wider context of this passage, we see that we are all in the same boat. We are all guilty of sin, all guilty of failing to live as God would have us live. So one of the problems going on at this church in Ephesus is that there's some false teachers going on, false teaching going on. 
mentioned up in verse 7, uh, we're told of those who want to be teachers of the law. But the problem is they're not teaching the law properly and they're actually leading people astray. Uh, up in verses 3 and 4, we're told how they're teaching false doctrine. Uh, they're going on about myths and endless genealogies, uh, which is not building people up, but it's causing division and controversy. Some have actually left the faith because of their wrong teaching. And so Paul here speaks into this situation, and from verse 8, he wants to correct their thinking about the law and the right use of the law. So verse 8 again, he says, We know that the law is good if one uses it properly. We know that the law is made not for, righteous, for the righteous, but for lawbreakers and rebels, the ungodly and sinful, the unholy and irreligious, for those who kill their fathers or mothers, for murderers, for the sexually immoral, for those practising homosexuality, for slave traders and liars and perjurers, and for whatever else is contrary to the sound doctrine that conforms to the gospel concerning the glory of the blessed God which he entrusted to me. So you see the Paul here is speaking about the law and first of all he's saying there's nothing wrong with the law in itself. The law is good as long as it's used properly. So the law is God's good gift to us. And rightly understood what the law does is it instructs us about how to live as God's people. But these false teachers are not using it like that. They're instead promoting their own kind of speculative ideas and leading people away from God rather than using the law to lead them to Christ and the gospel. Because that is what the law is actually meant to do. Its purpose is to point us to Jesus and to lead us to put our trust in him. And the way that the law does that is that it reveals to us that we are sinners. It exposes us. And we see here in verse 9 and 10 how the law does that, how it does expose our sin. Uh, most commentators say that in this list of sins here in these verses, that Paul is making some reference or allusion to each of the Ten Commandments. And so as we read over that list, we're much like holding ourselves up to the Ten Commandments. I mean, as we do that, I mean, we all fall short, don't we? Because whether it's idolatry or blasphemy or envy, I mean, none of us, for, none of, for, for all of us, we are all guilty of falling short of God's standard as set out in his law. And so that's what the law does. It exposes us, it diagnoses us as sinners. It's like those two little red lines coming up on the COVID test. It's a, it's a diagnosis that says that we're sick, that we need help, that we need mercy. But friends, the good news is that is why Jesus came. This is what our trustworthy saying says about Christmas, that Christ Jesus came into the world for this reason, to save sinners. And that is wonderful news. It's news that we need to believe. And when you do believe it, it is actually very freeing news. Because what it means is that Christ Jesus came to save people like you and me people who don't have it all together, people who have failed and let God down, Jesus came to save us. Um, I've only just come across it this year, but there's a, a new Christmas song which uh, really speaks of this news, that this is why Jesus came, that he came for sinners. It's a song by Sovereign Grace, and it's called 
O come all you unfaithful. And uh, I read this week um, the story behind the song and I wanted to just read some of that to you today. Uh, Lisa Clo, who's a songwriter, came up with it uh, because she wanted to encourage people who felt too weary, condemned or too burdened to enjoy Christmas. This is what she wrote about why she came up with the song. She said, I was struggling. It had been a long year and a half. Finances were stressful. I miscarried twins. And on top of it, I was battling a deep relational bitterness. My church was having their annual service where they kick off the Christmas season with carols and special songs. And I, for once, was not singing. I told them that I wouldn't be able to sing, but what they didn't know is that I was too overcome with shame to stand on stage before my church. That Sunday morning I stood at my seat as they began to sing, O come all ye faithful, and the first line of the song just clobbered me. It hit me like a giant wave of guilt. O come all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. I remember hearing those words and thinking, I have been so unfaithful. My joy has dwindled and I am a triumphant failure. I didn't sing the rest of the service. I drove home, my mind still churning. Is that really who is invited to come to Jesus? The faithful, the joyful, the triumphant? If so, then I am hopeless. Thankfully, later that afternoon, the Holy Spirit reminded me of Jesus' invitation in Matthew eleven twenty-eight: Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Rest found in his life, his death, and his resurrection, not my own. That evening, I had a strong conviction to write a song for myself and for the weary, the broken, and the ashamed. Friends, it's a beautiful song. Let me just read some of the lyrics which invite us to come to Jesus. O come, bitter and broken, come with fears unspoken, come, taste of his perfect love. O come, guilty and hiding ones, there is no need to run. See what your God has done. Christ is born. Christ is born, Christ is born for you. And friends, that is the news of Christmas. That Jesus came not to call the righteous, but sinners. He came not for the healthy, but the sick. Because here is a trustworthy saying, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. So what does that mean for us this Christmas? Well, amid the busyness of the Christmas season, well, that is what Christmas is all about. And that is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. So as we reflect on that, well, the first question to ask is, have you accepted it? And to accept it really means to do three things. It means first to admit that we are sinners that we have fallen short of God's standard and to ask him to forgive us. The second is to believe in what Jesus has done for us, that he is God's gift, God's own son who came to save us from our sin. 
And as you do that, then the third thing is to rejoice. That's what Paul does here in 1 Timothy, as he reflects on what Jesus has done for him. His heart is filled with such wonder that he, he just bursts out to praise in praise to God, to the, the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Let me pray as we um, yeah, reflect on that for us this Christmas. Our Father God, as we do approach uh, Christmas this week, Lord, I pray that you would help each of us to know this wonderful news, that the reason why Jesus came was that he came to save. We thank you that he came for people like us. Lord, pray that you would just help us to absorb that really deep into our hearts that we might know the joy of that invitation to come to him and to worship him this Christmas. And we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen.